Vishnupad, Paramhamsa, Parivraja, Kacharja, Ashur, Satashishimad, Asi Bhakta Varanta, Swami Shula Prabhupad ki, Anantikota Vaishnava Vrindaki, Jay. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Shishi Guru and Gauranga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Ajnana Tevarandasya Janajana Shalakaya Chakshul Mulitam Jaina Tasmai Shri Guru Namaha I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Shri Chaitanya Manovistam Stapitam Janabhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Tadatitswapadantikam When will Srila Rupa Goswami Prabhupada, who was established within this material world, a mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet? Vancha Kalpa Tarubhyasya Kripa Sindhubhyavisya Patita Nam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnava devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone, and they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhaktivrinda I offer my respectful obeisances unto Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Pandit Shri Vasthakur, and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. I pray that Sri Sri Radha Kalajanji, Srila Prabhupada, and Srila Gurudev use me as an instrument so that their message can flow through me to give me the words to serve the Vaishnavas listening. Today is Tuesday, May 10th, 2022, and we are reading from... Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Creation, Chapter 15, The Pandavas Retire Timely, Text 29. 
वासुदेवांग्री अनुद्याना परिप्रम्हितारम्हसा वक्त्या निर्मातितायशेशा कश्या दिशानो अर्जुना वासुदेव वासुदेव अंग्री the lotus feet of the Lord अनुद्याना by constant remembrance परिप्रम्हिता expanded Ramhasa with great velocity, Bhaktiya in devotion, Nirmatita subsided, Ashesha unlimited, Kashya dint, Vishana conception, Arjuna Arjuna. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. Arjuna's constant remembrance of the lotus feet of Lord Sri Krishna rapidly increased his devotion, and as a result, all the trash in his thoughts subsided. Purport. Material desires in the mind are the trash of material contamination. By such contamination, the living being is faced with so many compatible and incompatible things that discourage the very existence of spiritual identity. Birth after birth, the conditioned soul is trapped with so many pleasing and displeasing elements, which are all false and temporary. They accumulate due to our reactions to material desires. But when we get in touch with the transcendental Lord and his variegated energies by devotional service, the naked forms of all material desires become manifest, and the intelligence of the living being is pacified in its true color. As soon as Arjuna turned his attention towards the instructions of the Lord, as they are inculcated in the Bhagavad Gita, his true color of inter- eternal association with the Lord became manifest, and thus he felt freed from all material contaminations. So we'll read the verse again. Arjuna's constant remembrance of the lotus feet of Lord Sri Krishna rapidly increased his devotion, and as a result, all the trash in his thoughts subsided. So we can see that today the verse discusses thoughts and, you know, what kind of thoughts we're having. Um, it emphasizes our constantly remembering Krishna to increase our devotion. And Prabhupada makes a very um, interesting point here in the purport where he calls material desires in the mind trash of material contamination. So we want to temper the thoughts of our mind, right? We want to not think so much about our material desires, but we want to think about Krishna. And to do so, we have to control our thoughts. Controlling our thoughts are really important because we know or we've learned and we can see that thoughts determine our reality. Sometimes that seems a little far-fetched, like how can my thoughts determine reality? Reality is reality. And that's true. There's, you know, there's the temple room, and that's reality here in this material world. But the thoughts that I have around the temple room can change or it can be different from someone else's thought. And our experiences at the temple can be very different, which then lends to a very different perception of the reality of the temple room. So our thoughts determine our reality. Whatever we think, when we think them over and over again, we assign truth to them and that becomes beliefs. And beliefs become the lens through which we interpret everything that happens to us and it's selective filter through which we sift the environment 
for evidence that matches up with what we believe to be true. So we can have an experience. We can, you know, let's say you're going to the store and you're stopped at a red light. And, you you know, you could just be sitting there at the red light chilling because, you know, that's part red light, green light, yellow light. Those are parts of driving. It's just not a big deal. Or you can sit there and go, man, why is it that I hit every red light and there was some conspiracy against me? And so the thoughts that we have kind of determine our reality in that moment. But it also determines our mood. So we can change our mood by changing our thoughts. And our mood actually kind of also determines our thoughts. If we're not feeling good, if we're feeling kind of down, it's easier to feel the negative emotions, the negative thoughts that we have. It brings up negative thoughts, which then further feeds the negative emotions. So we want to work on um, changing those thought patterns. I was also reading that whenever we feel something, right, because our thoughts lead to our feelings and emotions, that can last about 90 seconds. So if you get angry, sad, happy, it lasts about 90 seconds. We It sticks around longer the more we think about it. So if you had an encounter with someone that made you really angry, that anger really lasts 90 seconds. But we can prolong it by keep thinking about that. Man, I can't believe they said that to me. What do they mean? And so that anger just keeps festering because of the thoughts that we think. So we have to learn how to get out of these stories that we tell ourselves and understand what those emotions can possibly telling us. Like if we get angry at an encounter, then what is that telling you? Like what about that encounter made you angry? What um, did it fester up inside? Did it remind you of another time that was similar? We call those triggers. Did it trigger you to an event? that happened before and had nothing to do with that person? Was it something that they said that you felt um, judged or, you know, in some other ways that came out as anger? So when we start to look at why we feel certain things and the thoughts behind them, we can kind of have an understanding of who we are and gain access to our natural intelligence and your, and our hearts. And the thing is we don't have to believe our thoughts. Um, I was watching something and they said, don't believe everything you think. And it's true, right? You might think, oh my God, that person looked at me funny. They must not like me. Right? That's a thought. That has nothing to do with reality. That's a thought that I had um, based on whatever experience I've had with a similar type of look in the past. Um, it could also be based on my own insecurities of, you know, how people react to me. And, you know, based on how they've reacted in the past, things like that. So all of that happens with my thoughts, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everything that I'm thinking is true. So we have to recognize that not everything that we um, think is true. We have to allow for other possibilities. We have to investigate why do we think this way? What else could it possibly mean? You know, and then we have to nurture ourselves so that when we get stuck in an emotion, we can pull ourselves out of it and give ourselves some self-compassion and love. So how do we change our thoughts? Well, it really comes down to what are we feeding our mind, right? Just as we feed our body, 
you know, we want to eat nourishing foods that are going to help strengthen and keep our body well. We want the same thing. We want to eat nourishing information that's going to keep our mind sharp and um, thinking good thoughts. So there is a um, theory within psychology called positive psychology, and it focuses on positive events and influences in a person's life. So we focus on positive experiences that people can have, like um, happiness, inspiration, joy, love. Um, it looks at positive states and traits like gratitude, resilience, compassion, and then positive institutions of applying these positive principles within entire organizations and institutions. So positive psychology looks at um, character strengths, things like optimism, life satisfaction, happiness, well-being, gratitude, self-esteem, self-confidence, hope, and elevation. So when we're talking about positive emotions, so there's five major pillars when we look at positive psychology. And I like to use the acronym PREMA because that means love in Sanskrit. Um, so the P stands for positive emotions. And these are things like joy, love, curiosity, kindness, compassion, gratitude. So how can you bring more of that into your life? And, you know, I think for me, the simplest way is to Look at the wor world through the lens of gratitude. So if you're constantly in this feeling of gratitude, being grateful and thankful for it, everything that happens, everything that comes your way, it helps you to stay um, grounded in your faith to Krishna or to God because you're constantly thankful for everything that's happened. Whether it's good or bad, you learn to frame it as a sense of gratitude. And when with gratitude, when we have that constant sense of gratitude, we have constant sense of peace and joy internally. And other things that we can do to help feel good all the time is look at all the things that don't bring you joy, that make you sad, angry, irritated, and work on taking those out of your life, right? We talked about what are we feeding our mind. News is one of those things. Social media can be one of those things because News itself is um, designated to rile, like rile you up, get some emotion out of you. Otherwise, people wouldn't watch it. They, you know, they found stories that make people feel good to be too boring, and it doesn't engage enough viewers. So they keep news more on the negative side, and that tends to engage more viewers. Well, social media is kind of the same way. They've done studies that show posts that elicit strong emotions get um, pushed more so that they appear more in front of more people. And, you know, they, they create more engagement, more arguments in the comments, things like that. So if you're constantly reading things like that, it's going to bring you down. It feeds your mind things that bring you down. And it's important to um, recognize these things that bring you down because when we feel down, it's harder to feel gratitude. It's harder to feel connected to Krishna when we see like things that are happening bad in the world, right? Because we often hear, you know, how can God allow poverty? How can God allow bad things to happen? And so it can kind of uh, grate at our faith a little bit. So when we focus on the good things in life, 
that helps us to feel better and it brings our thoughts to a different level. So then instead of thinking, how can God, you know, it's, it's more becoming like, how can I serve Krishna? How can I serve God to help alleviate these things? Right. Um, she, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the Chaitanya Charitamrita said, by one's work, thoughts, and words, an intelligent person must perform actions which will be beneficial for all living entities in this life and the next. So we can learn from that, that what we want to do is find things that um, are going to be beneficial for more people, you know, do engage in activities that are going to help other people. And that will help us to feel good and engage in some of those positive emotions as well as spread those positive emotions to others. And then what are we reading? You know, are you reading Srila Prabhupada's books on a regular basis? Are you reading um, other books, you know, personal development books, books that help you feel good, that help inspire you? What are you listening to? You know, there's um, lectures recorded of Srila Prabhupada, of so many different of um, Srila Prabhupada's disciples. And then there's also, you know, podcasts that can have... Um, that focus on feeling good, that can help you to uplift yourself, again, on personal development. Same thing with watching. You know, there's a lot of nice um, stories about Krishna and Ram that we can watch. There's also really good TED Talks that help us engage in getting in touch with our true nature and bringing out our best selves. And then the R in Prema is relationships. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Do you have good, strong connections and relationships with people? Um, who do you associate with? There's a saying in the personal development world, and I think it's true. I think um, we've also heard it said in Krishna conscious world as well, that That um, you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. So who <clears throat> are those five people that you spend most of your time with? Because what happens is they have the most influence on your thoughts and on your feelings and behaviors. So because we all tend to influence each other. So you want to look at who are those five people and can you work on changing those five people to become higher association to help uplift you even more. The E in Prema is engagement. How <clears throat> so this means like how are you going about your day? How are you engaging with activities? Another way of looking at this is um, how are you mindful during the day? Are you intentional about the activities that you perform or is it just because you know you're kind of going about your day in a days and you know you go to drive to work and you go to work and you're just kind of doing these things without any intention behind them you just know that you have to make some money and you have to pay you know help support your family so <clears throat> you want to look at ways how you can be more mindful of that right if you're looking at you know I'm doing this job because then it helps me sustain my family and donate to uh, Krishna consciousness is con you know, in some way uplift others to also engage in Krishna consciousness. These are the things that can help you feel more engaged in activities that even that you have to do out of obligation or duties. You can also find 
activities that you really love to do, um, where you lose track of time. You know, we call that being in the flow. So you can have them as hobbies. You can work on getting those activities to be your main job. You can practice living in the moment. This is that mindfulness that we're talking about, even during daily activities or mundane tasks, like doing the dishes. You can, you know, when you're doing the dishes, you can think about, you know, Krishna says, he's, I'm the taste of water. So you can think about like, oh, I'm the taste of water. Krishna's wa- the water that's rinsing off these dishes. You know, you're cleaning the dishes because next time you'll have nice clean dishes to use. So it becomes more of a meditation than just an act of chore. And then you can also um, go out and spend time in nature, find some relaxing activities like that to do. When you're out in nature, you can pay attention to the sounds that you hear, what are you seeing, being really engaged in that moment. You can learn about what your character strengths are and do things that you excel at and learn different ways to use your strengths in different situations. For instance, one of my strengths is um, I'm a talker, right? I can talk. So how can I use that strength in different situations? What am I talking about? How am I engaging the art of conversation? Um, and, you know, obviously giving class, public speaking is one way. Another way can, there's so many different ways to engage in that art of talking for me. So what are those? And there's a few different websites and uh, questionnaires that you can complete and find out what exactly your strengths are and, you know, how can you engage them in your everyday life. And when you do, it becomes a lot more pleasing as you go out through your day. It helps you bring that internal feeling of joy and gratitude. And then meditation is another way to engage. I'll talk a little bit more about meditation towards the end. The M in um, prema, it means meaning, you know, what is the meaning of your life? What is the purpose, the calling, you know, what are you here for? What service is yours to perform for Krishna, for God that you can do to benefit Krishna and benefit all of the devotees and all of the people, um, that are here. The other aspect of meaning is seeing everything as connected as everything is being, uh, happening for a reason Right, whether it's good or bad, you see it as connection to Krishna. So there's meaning behind everything that happens. And when people do that, they have that sense of connectedness. They have more joy. They have a more spiritual outlook to their life. And then the A in Prema stands for achievement. This is, you know, setting and attaining a goal. You know, we understand that Krishna says um, in the Bhagavad Gita, I am the goal, right? He's the sustainer. He's the goal. And we can do, um, we can celebrate these achievements when we achieve them. It gives us something to look forward to, right? If we are looking to achieve something or something's going to happen in the for- in the future, we're anticipating it. We're looking forward to it. That can actually bring in good feelings into us. So how, what does all of this have to do with Krishna, right? Well, one, it helped, like when we were talking about engagement, all of these things, when we're feeling good, it's easier to think, to stay grounded in our faith. Um, and if we stay feeling good more than even during the bad times when we are feeling a little down, it's easier to tap into those feelings of, you know, 
positivity, of joy, of peace, of gratitude than if we hadn't practiced those things when we're feeling good. So the goal is, you know, in Bhagavad Gita 1329, Krishna says, one who sees a super soul equally present everywhere in every living being does not degrade themselves by their mind. Thus they approach the transcendental destination. So if we're seeing everything as connected to Krishna, then we're not degrading our mind. We're not letting trash allow our, into our, you know, enter into our mind. Krishna also says, the thoughts of my pure devotees dwell in me. Their lives are fully devoted to my service, and they derive great satisfaction and bliss from always enlightening, enlightening one another and conversing about me. So, again, you know, we've got here relationships, we've got thoughts, we've got serving other people, doing service, all of these things that we can engage in more joyfully if we are engaging in our own emotions and finding out what they mean and how to engage with them. And then Krishna says, for one who has conquered the mind, the mind is the best of friends, for, but for one who has failed to do so, the mind will remain the greatest enemy. So we want to cre- keep the mind as our best friend, right? We, and these are the ways that we do that. We help conquer the mind by feeling good, by realizing our connection to Krishna. And then in addition to these Positive, you know, emotions, the PRIMA acronym that we discussed, positive emotion, relationships, engagement, meaning, and achievement. We want to make sure that we're exercising, moving our body, because there is a connection between movement and how good we feel. There's a connection between nutrition, you know, for staying well-nourished, eating lots of vegetables and fruits and not eating a lot of junk food. That also helps uplift our spirits and our thoughts. When we get enough sleep, we tend to be in a better mood, right? If you haven't had enough sleep, you can feel cranky. It's harder to control your thoughts when you haven't had enough sleep. Um, having a sense of hope, right? And that comes from the faith, that knowing that Krishna is always taking care of us gives us hope. And how do we manage stress? All these things can affect our thoughts, which then can affect how we engage in our Krishna consciousness. So one um, activity that we can engage with daily is meditation. And there's so many different types of meditation. There is breath meditation where you focus on how you're breathing. You focus on slowing down your breathing, especially your exhale when you breathe out. They've shown that when you, um, there's studies that have shown that when you breathe slowly and intentionally, especially when you exhale, breathe out slowly, it helps calm the mind. It calms your nervous system so you don't feel as much stress. It's easier to relax. It's easier to, to sleep. Um, you can have music, right? You can listen to a nice kirtan and really engage your mind in listening to it instead of having your mind go all all different places. There's even sound bowl med- meditation. So we know that's important because it engages our sense of hearing and that can quiet down some of the mind and... Um, you know, it can help engage that mind. So meditation, the purpose of meditation is to slow those racing thoughts that we have and redirect them to something a little bit higher, a higher purpose, a higher meaning. 
We can also have guided meditations. This is when you're listening to someone speaking, usually in soft tones, that can guide you on what to visualize, what to think about, and it can help also calm the mind. And then we talked about mindfulness. That's a type of meditation. If you're doing all of your activities with intention and connecting everything to Krishna, that's a type of mindfulness. Then there's movement meditation, things like yoga or tai chi, which is more slow and takes into account your breath and controlling the mind um, as part of the movement. And then we have mantra meditation. In mantra meditation, we um, engage in daily as well. That's when we chant the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, Japa as it's called, um, every single day. And that's really good because, one, when we're chanting um, the mantra meditation, we're usually chanting in, on beads, so we're engaging our sense of touch. You know, sometimes those beads, especially Tulsi beads, they can have a certain scent to them, so we're engaging our sense of smell. When we chant, we're, you know, speaking it, and we're also hearing it, so we're engaging those senses as well. Um, so we, mantra can be really good for helping control the mind because it's so many different senses that are engaged during mantra meditation. And especially when we are chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, it helps us connect us to Krishna. So we want to have a good meditation practice every single day, a solid meditation practice of chanting Japa. What I like to do even before I chant Japa is, you know, maybe engage in a little breathwork meditation or um, even a guided meditation because that helps calm the mind and then it helps me focus a little bit more on chanting, on what I'm saying, and not just chanting to chant. Um, sometimes it helps for me to do a little, you know, yoga, little asana um, practice before I sit down to chant or walk to chant, because that, again, helps me kind of calm the mind. It gets the, I don't know, the antsiness out of my body so that I'm not so you know, fidgety while I'm chanting. Um, and then I find the more that I engage in these activities of positive psychology, that focusing on positive emotions, I find that my japa even increases, my mantra meditation increases to a next level. So they all feed each other, right? So the idea is with mantra meditation is that we're connecting back to Krishna, we're deepening our relationship with Krishna. When we chant Japa, we're spending time with Krishna. Right? That's our time to spend with our, you know, divine, um, the divine couple. We can, you know, it's the time that we spend with Krishna, getting to know him, you know, understanding him, deepening our relationship. And so, the more we can engage in our chanting of Japa, the high, the more we feel connected. And then I find that if I'm looking at ways how every single thing is connecting to Krishna and I feel gratitude for that and I feel good, I feel like that my japa is that much more connected to Krishna. When I'm not, you know, if I haven't had enough sleep or I'm not feeling good or um, good in the sense of emotionally, you know, you're feeling kind of down or even physically if you're not feeling good, it's harder to, to really concentrate and focus on chanting. Um, japa, which then makes it harder to focus and concentrate on deepening our relationship with Krishna. And so all of these things are, you know, they're interrelated. You know, it's like we can chant 
japa, but then sometimes we're not completely engaged in it. And so we want to do the other activities to help us engage more. Um, and the more we engage in chanting japa, the easier it becomes to do those other activities. So we have to find a way in. And usually, honestly, for me, it comes with people, right? Who am I associating with? What are they saying? What are we talking about? How, you know, how are we talking to each other? Because that can really, for me personally, that helps uplift me. And then I feel good. And it's easier for me to feel good. It's easier for me to feel that gratitude. So that's my way in. But for someone else, that way in is actually to find something that helps them feel good, to listen to something, to think about something that makes them happy. You know, there's a, a type of meditation that I do in the morning. It's called priming. So you prime your brain to see everything that's good in your life. It's just like, I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you're looking to buy a car and you've done all your research and you find like the last car I bought was a Ford Fusion. And so I did all the research on Ford Fusions. And I tell you, before I did the research on it, I don't think I noticed a single Ford Fusion in the road. But after I started looking into it, like all I saw were Ford Fusions. You know, I was like, oh my God, I didn't realize there were so many. It's not that all of a sudden they appeared. It's just that now my focus changed, right? So I primed my brain to notice them around there. There's an experiment that they've done um, on people where there's they're asked to watch a video. And in the video, there's two different teams playing basketball. And one team is um, wearing red and the other was wearing blue. And you're asked to um, notice how many times the ball gets passed amongst the blue team members, or some people are assigned to how many times the ball get passed to the red team members, right? So you're like, they're all kind of interspersed amongst each other, and then they're passing the ball to each other. So you have to focus on like, okay, the blue person, person wearing blue passes to another person wearing blue, and then counting each time, right? And I think it goes on for like a minute or 30 seconds. It's not long. So then... After it's done, you know, the the tester will ask, like, how many times did you see the ball passed? And, you know, the numbers vary. They're usually off. Like, everybody answers just a few numbers off. Then he asked, did you notice the man in a gorilla suit walk through the court? And half the people were like, no, I didn't. You know, and less than half the people were like, yeah, I saw the man in the gorilla suit. So then we were asked to watch it again, and this time instead of, like, if you were assigned to the blue team before, now you're assigned to the red team. And after that, I think they said <coughs> more than 60% of the people noticed the man in the gorilla suit because now they were looking out for him, right? Before they were so concentrated and focused, almost tunnel vision on counting the number of times the basketball was passed that they didn't notice this man in a big gorilla suit walking through the court. And now that they were told there was one, they looked for him and they saw him. So that's how our mind works. When we, um, when we are primed to look for something, we'll see it. So if we're primed to look for Krishna everywhere in every interaction, right? Krishna says, um, Engage your mind, always in thinking of me. Become my devotee. Offer your basis 
unto me and worship me, become completely absorbed in me, surely you will come to me. So he's telling us to engage our mind in always thinking of him, to always see everything connected to him. And so, you know, we can, we can focus on that. That's what we want to do. If we start our day with chanting a couple of rounds, you know, most of us have made a, a promise or a vow to chant a certain number of rounds, a certain number of mantras every single day. If we do all of them in the morning or at least a few of them in the morning, that helps prime our brain to see Krishna everywhere. And that helps elevate our thoughts so that it's not you know, in the trash of material contamination, as Prabhupada stated. And sometimes we can think, well, you know, the mind is very difficult to control, right? Uh, Arjuna asks this of um, of Krishna. He says, the mind is more difficult. It's easier to control the wind than it is to control the mind. So we can think, well, we're trying, you know, I don't, every time I chant, I'm thinking of so many different things. How does that mean that I'll stay connected to Krishna? We have to remember, Krishna tells us that those who always worship me with exclusive devotion, meditating on my transcendental form, to them I carry what they lack and preserve what they have. So Krishna will fill in the gaps. We just have to have the desire to chant with attention. We have to have the desire to connect with Krishna, and he'll fill in the rest. Even if we don't have the desire to chant, we have to have the desire to have the desire to chant, right? I've heard it said, just get on that ladder somewhere um, of the desire for devotional service. You know, whether it's the desire to have the desire, to have the desire, to have the desire to chant attentively. Somewhere along there, we want to tap into that and slowly we'll make our way up to the ladder to chanting attentively. But in the meantime, Krishna will preserve what we have and he'll carry what we lack. So, again, he's showing us that we just have to have faith, and he'll take care of everything else. So I'll end there and see if there are any questions. All right. Sarantara Shumad Bhagavatam ki.